This is the Mojo, the Meaning of Life and Business podcast, where life and business intersect. Hosted by Jennifer Glass, CEO of Business Growth Strategies International and BGSI Coaching. We are dedicated to your success. Welcome to another episode of Mojo, the meaning of life and business. On our show today, we're going to be talking about organization or the lack thereof. Every now and then we run into a situation where people are just always disorganized. You see them, they look disorganized. You look at their desk, it's an organized mess. And if you can't see me, I'm making those air quotes around organized mess. And we all know those people, and I will admit at times, my desk is an organized mess as well. And so we've got a really interesting guest who's going to help us today, though, break down all about what we need to know when it comes to chronic disorganization and helping us get a little bit more organized. But before I bring her on, let me tell you a little bit about her. Gail Grunberg is the chief executive organizer of Let's Get Organized, based in northern New Jersey. She is a certified professional organizer in chronic disorganization, certified virtual organizing professional, and an organizer coach. She is the organizing expert with the lifestyle brand Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, and the author of the new book, Get the Big O, Organize, Seven Steps to Achieving Calm, Clarity, and Control in Your Space, Mind, and Life. Gail, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Jennifer. Absolutely. Thank you, Gail. So Gail, let me ask you, what exactly does chronically disorganized mean? Because I said that that was what we're talking about. Before we get into anything, I want to help our listeners actually understand that. Yes. Well, what I will preface it by saying is um, everyone has something that you know, they they struggle with in terms of organizing. But there is a difference between situational organizing and chronic disorganization. Uh, situational disorganization, like there might be a, a life transition that's happening and, and things just go boom. <laughs> All of your systems um, get screwed up because there's something happening, like maybe a baby is born or there's a retirement or something like that or a move. And uh, the organizing systems just get all out of whack, but that will pass. Someone who's living with chronic disorganization has a history of being disorganized for most of their life, whether adult life or starting at childhood. Disorganization negatively impacts them on a daily basis. They've tried everything under the sun to help themselves and nothing seems to have worked. And they have an anticipation of continuing to be disorganized without some kind of outside intervention. Got it. So let me ask you, because you mentioned that it negatively impacts them when they're chronically disorganized. Just if any of our listeners are sitting here and saying, my life is a little bit of a mess, but how do I know if it's really impacting me negatively? Like you're saying, can you give us an example of how it may negatively impact us? I think it's very subjective. Um, if someone is saying, you know what, I can live this way, it's fine, I, I'm happy, surrounded by my stuff, uh, I have what I need when I need it, great. But if the opposite is true, for instance, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, 
say someone is very behind on filing their taxes or they can't find their driver's license or their keys um, or their phone, you know, and not just, you know, oh my gosh, I put it down, forgot where I put it. It's like, I left it in my car. I've forgotten to take my meds. Um, I, I have meds. I didn't get the prescription refilled. I'm chronically late. Um, my boss is going to fire me. My spouse is going to divorce me. So it's, there's a real impact on the quality of life uh, of someone who lives with chronic disorganization. And I just want to put this out. Chronic disorganization and hoarding are not necessarily connected, right? Um, there is a connection, but one does not necessarily mean the other. Thank you. Just that way we're not going down the path. Okay, so I'm chronically disorganized. I must be a hoarder. So we're not saying that necessarily. Correct. Thank um, you. Sure. Thank you. So let me ask you, Gail, if we're looking at how disorganization impacts us, and you said it can impact us by being late to work, by um, our spouse maybe not liking how things are going and they can't live a certain way, how do we start understanding the problem, recognizing the problem, and then how does one even start reaching out for help? I mean, we can say, let's call a cleaning lady as an example and have them come and they'll clean the house and, you know, make it all spick and span. But again, that may not be the panacea that they're looking for. So what do we need to be looking at in that regard? And I know I gave you a lot of questions in that. So I'll let you unpack it how you need to. You bet. Um, well, okay. So first of all, it definitely um, harkens back to whether someone is quote unquote suffering from being disorganized. And it is, it's very subjective um, in terms of being ready. There's a readiness factor that, that comes into play. Uh, if, um, and I'm just, I'm gathering my thoughts for a second. If someone feels enough pain, then they will be ready to take action. Um, I think it was Anayi Nin who had said there came a time when the pain of staying in the bud was greater than the pain of blooming. So there has to be some kind of a, a rock bottom, so to speak, before someone reaches out for help, as there is with anything. Um, and once the pain is, is great enough, then there's a recognition of something's got to change. You know, my, my life is out of control. I, I submit to my higher power, the whole 12 step issue. Um, and then how would someone reach out? <sighs> Being aware that there is help available, I think, is a, a very big part of it um, because many people are not necessarily cognizant of the fact that there are resources out there that can help, whether it's on the web, through articles, through books, through people who specialize in working with clients who are chronically disorganized, um, which means, which I, I probably neglected to say that Sometimes people who are living with chronic disorganization may have a brain-based challenge that affects their executive functions, of which organizing is one. So they might not be able to categorize or systematize uh, or sort or make decisions or be able to 
properly emotionally regulate. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes into this executive function challenge. Um, and it, it's also that, that insight, that internal work of recognizing that, all right, something is no longer working and I need to do something differently. Thank you. So if we look at understanding that this is impacting me and I reach out, do I go to a professional organizer first though? I mean, is that the way that I would need to go in that level? I mean, walk me through once I realize that I am suffering, walk me through what I would need to do to reach out to someone like you? Well, that's a great question. I think it also depends on the comfort level uh, that someone has with um, asking for help. You know, some people may feel like, oh my gosh, there's such, there is, I will tell you this, many people feel such shame around being disorganized that they may not be immediately willing to talk to another person about it. So they might do some research, whereas they might look up like, you know, maybe a phrase of I'm so disorganized and I don't know what to do about it. So they'll see what kind of information they might get. They would find articles and websites and books. And then also depending on their um, their processing modality, you know, if they just need to talk to someone, if they need to feel a human connection and know that they aren't alone, um, that they they don't have to suffer sometimes calling a professional who specializes in such a thing can one give great comfort um two you know it could save them a whole lot of money because if they are going down a rabbit hole that could cost them thousands of dollars whereas an, an organizing professional or a professional specializing in chronic disorganization whether it's a mental health professional or or an organizer um could point them in the right direction and say here's a resource check it out get back to me if you want, let me know how I can help. And, and they're not on the hook for any kind of an investment. They're just kind of being redirected in a, a way that might help them. Right. Thank you. And so again, it's just a matter of being comfortable to reach out in the first place and then taking that affirmative step to say, I'm ready and all of that. Yes. Great. So. Gail, let me ask you, we go through the process, and I guess one of the questions that is nagging in my mind is, would I talk to an organizer, would an, a designer or a decorator, you know, because a lot of people associate interior design with function and things along those lines, mm -hmm. would that be someone that I would possibly reach out to also, because maybe my problem is I just have too much stuff and it's not a space that I have to put things in and someone can come in and help me, whether it's, and I'm thinking of one of our uh, mutual uh, friends, the feng shui of how my home or living spaces set up or um, how something else may be, how would I start breaking down those different people in my life? That's a fantastic question. Um, I would say start with the organizer. And it's not because I am an organizer, it's because the organizing process is very hands-on and is a lot deeper than what 
other professionals will do. A cleaning company is terrific. They will come and they will clean. A decorator is fantastic. They'll make the space look beautiful. A feng shui consultant, the first thing that he or she would say is you need to remove before you can put in. So the decluttering part would definitely be one of the first steps. Um, I'm always referring people to feng shui consultants because I, I think it's just super, super helpful. Um, but first, knowing what's there, what a client might need, use and want and, and hold dear, all of that internal work and the physical sorting through needs to be done first before bringing in other professionals who might make the space look and feel even better after the organizer. Thank you. So if we look at going through everything, is there an idea that I'm going to need to possibly just get everything digitized as a way of getting more organized? Is it um, knowing a better way, like how to old things in my drawers. I mean, what are we talking about as far as the organization? That's a great question. That all does come into play depending on the needs of the client. If someone is drowning in paperwork and says, I just cannot live this way anymore and is tech savvy, digitizing is a great way to go um, to eliminate that, that physical weight of, of paper clutter, so to speak. And, and I'm making the quotes with my fingers of clutter. Um, in terms of folding things differently in drawers or on shelves or hanging things differently in closets, absolutely. It all comes, um, it, it's all part of the, the same process. Um, and it's kind of the, well, in my, I, I even describe this in my book, it's actually the contain step is actually step five in my seven steps because First, you need to consult. You need to know why you want to get organized. Then you need to consider any challenges or strengths that you're living with. Then you need to clear a space. Then you need to uh, categorize, see what you have, how much you have, and what you absolutely need. Then you can contain it. So the contain is digitizing, folding, hanging, all of that physical putting it away type of thing. Thank you. So we get through how we organize we get through the seven steps and all of that once though i am past that point am i magically and i snap my fingers there just in case that didn't come through am i magically cured and now i'm more organized what do i need to really be paying attention to as the process moves forward that's a fantastic question. The, the final two steps are control and coach. So that's where the maintenance comes into play. That's the control step. We have to keep up with our systems and tweak them going uh, forward to make sure that they still fit our, our current lifestyle and our needs. And it's like anything else. It's like you know keeping a car running. You have to fill it with gas. You have to change the tires. You do this, that, and the other thing. The same with organizing systems. And the coach step, it, it sort of, it's pervasive throughout the other steps in that there are things that bubble up during the organizing process. There's a whole lot of thinking and feeling that goes on. So acknowledging all of that, and as you had said earlier, unpacking it 
um, definitely plays a part in, in how the systems are maintained because as we create them, we want to make sure that they are tailored to um, a, a client's core values, um, their processing styles, the way they, they think and digest information. It's, it's pretty cool stuff. Great. Thank you. So we go through that process. We make sure that we're maintaining and we're keeping up with, like you said, core values, what we need to be doing as we move forward. Uh, my question though is from the clients that you've seen, obviously I don't want you to name names, but if you were going to look at the history of the people that you've worked with, do you need to go back second, third, fourth time typically to help them remain in the flow in terms of the process? Like, how does that work in the process I, there? I appreciate your asking that. In my opinion, ongoing support is the key to success. It's not usually a one and done. Most clients need multiple sessions and ongoing, very, not very frequent, but it might be, you know, some clients might need once a week, every other week, once a month, depending on the needs, because a session of say three or four hours will accomplish only so much. Whereas if you've got a big project of someone who's been living a certain way for a really long time, just one session isn't going to do it. It's the the repetition and the teaching um, and the coaching that goes along with an organizing session that transfers the skills and and allows that person to feel empowered that, oh, wow, this is great. You know, I'm, I'm learning how to do this myself. You know, I might've been living this way for 40 years. I never knew there was another way. So it, it's like learning anything new. The more you do it, the better you get at it. Um, and I've had clients I've seen for 12 years, six years, it's um, it's also very social. Right. And it's good when you've got that ongoing support so that you can be in a position to then know I can count on this person to help me through that process. Oh, yes. Especially the emotional processing, which can be very, very difficult sometimes because people live with a lot of yuck going on in their brains and hearts. And that's the very scientific term, a lot of yuck. Yes. <laughs> yes. I cleaned it up. <laughs> yes. Uh, thank you. And so, Gail, let me ask you, when you've been looking back over your career, well, actually, no, let me ask the question a different way. What do you define success as? Um, okay, that's a great question too. Success may be different for me as the organizer than it is for the client. I may feel an amazing um, feeling of satisfaction knowing like, oh, wow, this is great. You know, we got through a particular space. It feels fantastic. And I, it, it would depend because if the client's expectation is in the stratosphere and we don't meet that expectation for various reasons, like the project may be too much to take on for one session or, or something to that effect, then I might see it as, oh, wow, that's great. We cleared this one corner and, and we're making progress. Whereas the client might say, 
oh my gosh, we still have so much to do. So it, it's really in the uh, the eyes of the client, whether we've been successful or not. Thank you. So here's another interesting question for you. What makes you get up in the morning? What makes you tick? Oh gosh. Um, well, in terms of my my business, um, it's knowing, and this may seem a little Pollyanna, but it's knowing that if I get up and I connect with someone, I can make a difference in that person's life. And I don't always know what that difference is or who I'm going to impact, whether it's a client or a referral partner or somebody else out there in the world. If I'm showing up and, and someone appreciates that I'm showing up for them, then they can go and do the same for somebody else. So I, I really do believe in the ripples in the pond, you know, paying it forward. Absolutely. And that's a great way to look at how you need to be paying attention to that just in terms of um, paying it forward, getting good karma, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's all right there. I know personally for me, um, karma is one of those things that I am always trying to get the good karma on my side. I remember when I was going through my divorce, one of my really good girlfriends used to tell me all the time, she said, just wait, karma's coming. And I used to ask her, when is she going to be here? Um, <laughs> you know, it was just one of those things you're dealing with so much at a certain point. It's like, now and yes but eventually it does come back in different ways you may not even recognize that it does but it has a way of evening out um at some point um because the universe is a perfect accounting system truly yes thank you so gail people have been listening to our conversation and they're interested first of all not only in your book but in reaching out to you, how can they get more information? The best way in both cases would be to visit the website of Let's Get Organized, which is lgorganized.com. Thank you. And so again, go to lgorganized.com so that you can check out Gail, check out the book, check out all of the information and for additional resources that you too can get for helping you to be more organized in your home, in your life, in your business and beyond. So Gail, thank you again so much for being my guest on the show today. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you. So the key takeaway here is we need to look at how we can remain organized. We know that a disorganized brain, disorganized mind, can lead to so many additional problems. Gail mentioned just a few while we were speaking, but it can also impact your business as well. It's not just your individual personal life. Um, if a business is disorganized, there are so many different ways that a business can ultimately fail. As a business coach, I work with so many clients that are always struggling to remain organized in the sense that their books are a mess, the inventory, nobody really knows where the inventory is, things along those lines. And we didn't even touch on a lot of that in our conversation today. And maybe, Gail, I'm going to have to have you come back for a second time where we can talk about how a business can be better organized um, as that 
um, may be. But again, it comes down though to what we need to be really looking at, how we continue to operate and where we go from there. On that note, this has been another episode of Mojo, The Meaning of Life and Business. Once again, Gail, thank you so much for being my guest. My pleasure. Until next time, here's to your success. This has been another episode of Mojo, The Meaning of Life and Business podcast. If you like what you heard, please consider leaving us a review, liking us, or reaching out to us. You can contact us at bgsicoaching.com and let us know what you think. Thanks so much again for listening.